All right, welcome into the Botany Podcast. We got some familiar faces uh, in front of me tonight, today, uh, including uh, Caleb McCumber, fresh from Needville's uh, Little League World Series run and uh, uh, fishing in Louisiana. He's back on the water. He's back with us, and he's back on the water. Captain Scott Knoll prepping that uh, Santa Claus beard uh, for the holidays already, uh, and uh, he's ready to go as well. Uh, but we're going to start today with just a couple of mentions from uh, – uh, from me and then uh, Scott and Caleb, uh, because we do have Shane Bonneau, Advocacy Director for CCA Texas, who's going to be joining us with some very important information, and we can let him go after that. Um, but don't forget to join the podcast. Uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You guys know the drill. If you're new, wherever you get your podcast, you can subscribe. Join the Bite Me group page. Always a very, very good community right there. It's Bite Me Fishing. You can search that on, on uh, Facebook, and you should find it. And we got a lot more uh, to get to uh, for sure today. Uh, terrific topics, as always. We got live audience here um, on uh, my YouTube channel, which you can find on the group page as well every week. Uh, and maybe even get back into that whole, I mean, looking at the, t- t- the messages here, we already got all kinds of popping cork messages. I wasn't going to do it, but we might have to uh, at some point. Caleb, before we get to Shane... Um, it, it, that was a terrific experience that you got, you, you had up in uh, Needville. Uh, but I know you wanted to be on the water as well and you're back on the water. Catch us up what you saw and where you are. Man, we, uh, yeah, we went up to Williamsport with the Needville boys and as much as I, I consider little league, a, a legal mafia, I'm not a big fan of it, but <laughs> the things that they, that they uh, provided for those kids up there was really cool. The, the, the 10 teams, <laughs> the five teams in the country and the five teams around the world to get to experience what little league does for all them candles, candy sales is pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> other thousands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, but it, it was cool. Um, it, it was something to experience. I'm going to tell you what, at night it's 61 there and in the daytime it's 83, which is, that's a treat in itself. But the people Amazing. from Pennsylvania, they're awesome folks. There's a lot of houses around that complex and man, they're barbecuing and drinking beer and, and uh, doing all the things that, that, that we do in Texas. They're good folks. Uh, it was really neat. Um, the boys, they beat uh, SoCal one time, then lost to them one time, ended up second in the country. Uh, yeah. China? Not so much China. Yeah. They did not beat China. That was, but, uh, uh, that was tough. That was uh, tough. Yeah. But, but, hey, you know what? We, we said all week we're playing, for, we're playing to see who gets just absolutely the doors blown off of them by China. And uh, every time, every time that one of our boys fouled a ball off, the crowd went wild. <laughs> this kid's throwing eighty mile an we hour. Got a piece he, of it. We got he's a piece throwing of it. eighty miles an hour from forty six feet and a seventy mile an hour slider from forty six feet. If you touch it, you're a star. <laughs> um, right. But but it, it was very it was very cool. Um, I could. I, I, I had tears in my eyes more often than I want to admit. Just, you know, so happy for those boys and, and what they pulled off. So it was great. And now yeah. I'm back in southern Louisiana. It's 100 degrees, 90% humidity. Uh, I spent most of my days sitting on a porch of random camps running from storms. I picked a fight with an alligator fisherman who ran from the storm the same place as me. So that was awkward. Uh, <laughs> all right well, but, yeah. well put a pin in that put a pin in that we'll get back to the alligator uh fight uh with the fisherman and the fight you had all that uh captain scott is joining us as well i know he wants to get in on this conversation uh but i don't want to keep uh, shane too long uh shane Bonneau joining us here 
Um, and really, this is one of those floor is yours kind of thing. Shane, you're a member of the Bite Me group page on Facebook. You you, you listen to the podcast. Uh, you know that one of the, uh, the big t- topics of discussion consistently has been uh, bag uh, limits, uh, slot limits, et cetera, et cetera. And as I understand it, and I'm just going to kind of toss it to you, um, there is, uh, uh, you know, some some studies, some scoping, as they call it, uh, for future trout regulations that that all our listeners uh, need to find out about. Catch us up on that. Yeah, sure. Thanks, John, for that intro. Thanks for having me back, guys. Appreciate this opportunity. So last week, uh, a handful of fishermen, probably about 10 or so recreational anglers and, and guides went to the Parks and Wildlife Commission meeting. And each year in August, they hold an annual public hearing where anybody can get up and talk about anything to the commission. And so there were about 10 of us that that got up. And number one, we thank the commission for their previous actions to try to help the trout populations after the freeze. And then we also encouraged them to go back out to scoping. So scoping is basically a way for the department to get a pulse from their constituency on how they feel they're doing, what can be done moving forward. So for us, what that means is what are you seeing on the water? What do you think the, if they want to do changes in limits, what do we want those to look like? And so it's just a really good way to get angler feedback. And so the commission has given the department the, the authority and has given them the permission, if you will, Mm-hmm. to uh, to start that scoping process. So that's going to happen this fall. The department will go out to the public, and I think it's going to be in two forms. There'll be a, a mailer survey. So some people might get a piece of paper in the mail where they can fill that survey out and then send it back to the department. And then, of course, they're going to take it, it out on the road. So they'll have hearings. And I say hearings. They're really more like listener meetings. Yeah. But they'll have those meetings all up and down the coast uh, sometime probably this fall. But I don't I don't want to get in too much detail on dates because I don't know the dates yet. So I don't want people to start thinking about what that timeline might shape out to be. But we do know that sometime this fall, they'll start the scoping process. And uh, jump in, uh, Scott and Caleb, if you have anything. But just my quick follow up is, so what that tells us and tells you is, what people think these these uh, limits should be, what they think is going on uh, in, in the habitat, in the, in the fishery. And then, as I understand it, maybe November, December, January, somewhere in there, uh, there there's going to be some some proposal? Yeah, well, the next step after scoping is, is the proposal. Um, and so the department takes all that information they receive from the public. They could put it in the format of of a proposal to present to the commission. And then they then ask the commission to go out for public comment on that specific proposal. So all of this would lead up to a potential regulation change uh, next, probably May. But again, I don't want to get too specific with dates because these things could go slower or sometimes in some cases they move a little bit faster. So Scott, what are, what are you uh, thinking right now? I can see those wheels spinning uh, and what it might mean and, Every, immediately when, when people hear these scoping and these hearings and these meetings, they go to worst-case scenarios. But there is a great scenario here, in, in my view, Scott, because that's listening to fishermen and what fishermen really think it should be. Yeah, listening to us is a good thing, I guess. But uh, I want to see what the 
what the nets, the gill nets say and what the surveys say. I want to see, see where we're at. Where do we stand now? I mean, I know a lot of the parts of the coast were, we were 40% down on trout after the freeze. Uh, kind of curious to see how much of a rebound there's been uh, just with, what, a year and a half of uh, the better limits yeah. or lower limits. With that, I think we could tell what we could do in the future. You know, that would be that was a good experiment, and uh, if if it shows that you know they're rebounding really well, I know a lot of people are going to say, "Well, then we can go right back to what we were doing before." Well, how about we take it easy on them and make it better than it was before the freeze? Yeah, and well, Scott, to that point, uh, you know the the 2023 spring gillnet data is is out. And it's I've I referenced it in, a, in an article that's I think we have it on the CCA Texas website now. But to your point, the Matagorda and San Antonio Bay systems are still down um, post freeze. When you compare the spring gillnet catch per unit effort um, to the ten year average, so they were down in 2021 right after the freeze, stayed down in 22, and we're down again this year in 2023. And I think the percentages were like 38 and 34% respectively between Matagorda and San Antonio. So they need a little more help for sure. You know, Caleb, this is where you and I can hop in because, uh, you know, Shane is, is in a position where he has to just listen and, 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 and be able to, to react to what the people want. You and I can listen to what he just said, down 34, down 35, 38%. And we know what we want, <laughs> you know. We know what we want, but that you got to still go through the process. And what are you seeing and hearing from from Matagorda and, and from fishermen? And and would they be more receptive to maybe these limits continuing a little bit? If that, if I'm saying it, if that continues to be the case, you know, you, you made a comment a while ago that you said um, you jump to worst case scenario, and that's that's an a, 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 I guess objective. I don't know how to say it. But the worst case scenario for some and the worst case scenario for others, right? So, um, you know, I've right. said it before and I'll say it again. If it kills my guiding and particularly, it, I don't think it would kill guiding ever because Scott and I both make a pretty decent living, not keep anything. But let's say it kills tournament fishing where, hey, you can't bring a fish in, period. That's, but, and, but the overall goal is to make fishing better. I'm completely down for it. And that's why you're seeing several of these tournaments go to a, a photo uh, release type deal. Right. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it, it's still down on, on where we're at the, the red fishing. That's kind of why that when people that are booking me this fall, I'm telling you, look, I don't know if you're going to, if we're going to go in Port O'Connor or Matagorda two years ago, three years ago, it would have been Matagorda. No doubt. I, why wouldn't I want to guide 40 minutes from my house? Why wouldn't I want to drive two and a half hours to Port O'Connor? And so if people like me that are making a living, just to go catch and release a fish or having to drive two and a half hours to put our customers on what we could do before, then it's probably not quite where it used to be. Uh, that's a good way to put it. Um, and Shane, I really want to just kind of, before Scott and Caleb and I start reacting to some of this stuff, what else do we need to know that you need to put out there um, while we have you? Well, regarding trout, I would just say, um, Sit back and, and wait for the department to go out scoping. If you're lucky enough to get one of those mail-in surveys, uh, be sure to be sure to fill it out because that's important. And then, obviously, turnout at these hearings that are in person is 
vital is is really important. And we can all get online and complain and and moan about it's not the way that we want it to be. But if you don't show up to these meetings and voice your opinions, then um, you, you're just not going to be heard. So we really need people to to show up and let Parks and Wildlife know what they want this fishery to look like. And by the way, uh, Red Snapper in a couple of days here, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, tell us about that. And then, Scott, so you're up. Federal water, federal water season for private recreational anglers ends uh, Friday, September 1st is the last day. State waters will still be open. So inside of nine miles will still be open to private recreational anglers. All right, Shane. I know Scott has a lot to say. Uh, you can hang around for for as long as you There's want. Another and question then, for him. And then, oh, you got a question for him. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Okay, the Lower Laguna Madre they they went emergency regulations right away, correct? And that correct. that went into effect right after the freeze. The Matagorda, Port O'Connor, it waited for. Uh, shoot, I forgot how long it was now. It's yeah. all running together. But if, if they waited a year or so before they started uh, the regulations up. April, April 1st, I think, was when the uh, lower and the upper went into effect. And then, yeah, it took several months before the rest right. of the coast. Yeah. So what's the comparison for the lower coast recovery versus the upper coast recovery? Yeah, interesting question. The, the lower coast is doing better. The, the areas that either received that initial protection or the areas that didn't have an impact, like Corpus Christi Bay, for example, they're, they're faring fairly well. The areas that didn't get the protection, the initial emergency order, uh, they're lagging behind. That's that's kind of what I figured would be yep. the case. Yep. Uh, that's why I, I just wanted to clarify that. It, it seemed like that it was frustrating when they didn't include us. Uh, in that initial one, they just did the yeah. lower lower coasts. We knew what we had up here, knew we had a problem. Yeah. Yeah. It, and now you have, because of that, Scott, you have the, uh, they have the iNaturalist app where people can go on, on that app and, and enter in fish mortalities from cold weather events because it was that, that feedback and that citizen science component that was missing uh, that last time. But I think we have an avenue now to get that fixed moving forward is this the part where me and scott interject all the citizen scientists we sent to tpwd during the freeze (laughs) and then then effectively got blocked from a group text (laughs) (laughs) well the app uh will not have opportunities for other words that might be used in group text (laughs) the the app is just the data those words weren't used until the report said a hundred fish died in matagorda bay hey before before we let you go um we've all seen some videos lately with uh flounder uh you know washing ashore uh has a, a lot of projection as to the whys i read an article about it with the oxygen and the uh and the heat and and i know we we can't let you go without giving getting your thoughts on on what is what is happening there and does it have any effect on what we're talking about now with scoping all i see <laughs> is like how this dude like is like almost a tom cruise this he looks like he's a handsome like, man what 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 you, what you using that hair bro yeah, yeah, and I say that with an impeccable record of heterosexuality. He's a handsome man. Uh, but Scott uh, and Caleb, Caleb, I'll, I'll, I'll actually start with you because 
I just, as I, as I'm hearing him, I just want to say it. Yes. You know, I want to jump to a conclusion. We all understand, you know, that, 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 that things are, um, are, are not good. I don't need a scoping survey. You don't need a scoping survey, but I'm no. willing to wait. I, I, I'm willing to wait if that's what it takes so more people can get to these meetings and, and, and understand what's happening in our base systems. Did, did I hear him correctly when he said 10 people showed up? Is that what I heard? Yeah, at the very start. Mm-hmm. Well, good Lord, I got 400 on my Facebook feed that seemed to be experts in the in the matter. Yeah, yeah. You think they, they'd show up and... Yeah, uh, it was I in mean, Austin. To be fair, it was in Austin on a week. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, e- either way, yeah, I mean, and, and that's the problem with it, John, is you've got estuaries like East Matagorda Bay that are going to experience things def- differently than Corpus Christi Bay or even West Matagorda Bay, right? But they have mm-hmm. to come up with a something that works throughout the whole area. Because right. if you have a if you have a game warden, I mean, let's be honest, um, Matagorda Bay, the game wardens sit just past the harbor, and they they try to pop you for fire extinguishers and stuff. But if they wanted to check fish where they sit, you can't have a set of rules for West Matagorda Bay and a set of rules for East Matagorda Bay. So they have to come up with something that works for both of them, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And to me, to me, that's that's the 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 double edged sword of it all. There's bays that need help, and there's bays that still have some fish in them, and that's what gives the general public a chance to feel like they have a leg to stand on. With everything's fine, everything. I'm so glad we're going back to this. I'm so glad we're going back to that. And even the even I'll, I'll go ahead and call them out right now. All the people on Facebook that I'm not going to keep anything. I'm going to be a, and then two months later they're yeah. keeping everything they possibly can. You know who you are, and I know you listen to this podcast. Yeah. But, you know, it, so I'm I'm interested in to see what they come out with as well. Going to take just a second here to brag about my buddy Doug over at Real Paradise, RealParadiseTX.com. He's going to take care of Bite Me listeners, as only our friends do. It's the best in Texas. That is not just me saying that. Airbnb calls Real Paradise the best, most hospitable host in all of Texas. Overlooking the water right there on Little Bay in Rockport, Bite Me listeners, take 10% off if you just mention the Bite Me podcast. And all you have to do is go to RealParadiseTX.com or book via Airbnb. Real Paradise for fishermen right now. Scott, what um, what are bag limits that could keep everybody happy? I, I put that on the dock, <laughs> knowing that that's an impossible and knowing that that's an impossible, you know, an, uh, question to answer. But is there is there some sort of area there with five instead of three, you know, that that would maybe compromise and, and keep most people happy? <clears throat> I don't think there is. You know, you have two very distinct groups nowadays. You know, it used to be you had, you know, kind of a mix and match. And then I guess we didn't know about it as much because there wasn't any social media. You know, we yeah. didn't know where everybody stood on it. Uh, I've been doing catch and release forever. I mean, it, it's been a long, long time. I'm, yeah, I kept a lot of fish over the years, but also had many, many trips where I just went out and caught fish and turned them all loose. Uh, we didn't post about it. We didn't have a place to post about it. It's just what we did. Yeah. And so there's always going to be the folks that, that have this attitude of, you know, it's my right to go out and catch a bunch of fish and keep a bunch of fish. And as long as you're within the limit, says whatever parks of wildlife decides, that's fine with me. 
I'm I'm good with it. Uh, but things are never going to get better if we don't lower the limits. I mean, uh, that's just the bottom line of it. I've been around for for no limits. I've been around for 20 trout limits. I've been around for 10, 5, 3. And the limits wouldn't keep going down if things were getting better. Exactly. That's, that's been my whole thing all along. You'll never talk to anybody who's been fishing for a long time who says, man, fishing's a whole lot better now than it was when I was growing up. Literally, we could go out and dumbass kids, you know, we were above average among our buddies. You know, we wade fished all the time. We've fished the surf. We fished the jetties. We went everywhere and fished. And, you know, we were pretty good at it, but we had no good equipment. We had no kind of information like we have now. Hell, we didn't even know if it was going to rain or which way the wind was going to blow till we looked at the flags. And we just pick a spot, you know, just based off what we had done in the past and go out and slide out there and go catch 20, 25, 30, 40 trout. And I guarantee you can't do that now. I mean, I know some really, really good guides that are scratching hard to get three or four trout a day for yeah. per person. So Caleb, go ahead. It hasn't gotten better. That's Caleb, you know what did it for me? When Louisiana, when Louisiana says, oh, crap, we need some better limits. When Louisiana you know, does it, it <laughs> you know. And, the, people, and, and the, the, the catalyst for the Louisiana stuff was actually the guides and the fishermen that finally said, this sucks, we got to do something. Yeah. But they let it get to that point in the first place, right? Right, right. And so me and you and Scott catch a bunch of flack about our thoughts and beliefs, but all we're trying to do is not let it get to that point. Whenever the... Whenever the guys are saying this sucks so bad, we need different regulations. Yeah, there, there's something going down. Well, and what I won't don't want us to get to is what Florida has. I mean, Florida's got closed seasons, guys. I mean, yeah. one trout, two trout, closed seasons for you know, I don't even know what their seasons are anymore. But it's getting. I've watched that over the years. They've done the same thing that we've done, and we're heading in the exact same direction. We got more and more people on the coast. More people want to take fish home, and there's only so many fish out there. And yeah. I've heard it. I've heard it said so many times, and from some pretty experienced folks. And rod and reel, you can't hurt the population. Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah you can. You, I'm pretty <laughs> sure you can. Well, uh, by the way, I heard from Shane Bono. Uh, he texted. He said his phone overheated and shut off. Uh, but he heard the question about, uh, and I want to get you guys thoughts on this. Uh, Scott, I saw you commenting on it. I was blown away. In fact, at first I thought it was a fake video. You know how everything can be on, on the old interweb. Um, but he says there's the, the fish kill is a result of low dissolved oxygen in high temperatures. Water that hot cannot hold much oxygen. And there were probably more fish back in there with the tropical storm pushing water into the bay. Not sure of total numbers, but it was very localized to spring by you. But I think the bigger discussion here, Scott, is it's hot and it's affecting like everything right now. What are you What are you seeing uh, and hearing uh, on the heat and the oxygen levels? I was all happy when we had that little tropical storm went in there. The little cow tipper, you know, went into the King Ranch. Yeah, and it pushed a bunch of water up. It, you know clouded up for a couple of days, cooled things off. Our water temperature dropped to like 89. It was the first time I'd seen it under 90 in a while. I think 88 was the lowest I saw. 
And now it's right back up. It was 95.2 yesterday at the little jetties here in Port O'Connor. And that's not shallow water. You know, that's that's right by the intercoastal. The problem, I got to reading on the hypoxia stuff, and it's it's the lower dissolved oxygen is caused by, you know, several, several factors. The heat, number one, the water can't hold that much dissolved oxygen in the no. hotter water. Uh, something else that I, I read that I didn't know about was the salt content. Uh, when you have higher salinities, the higher the salinity in the water, the less oxygen it can, it can hold. Uh, fresh water holds way more oxygen than salt water does. Well, when we've had this super drought here with, I mean, I got a quarter inch of rain out of that storm. And so now we're getting hyper salinity, uh, Matagorda Bay, places like that that don't have a freshwater inlet. Yeah. Uh, rivers aren't running. You know, the, all the dams are, are not being used right now because, you know, all the lakes are going down. So we're not getting any freshwater runoff. Salinity's going up. Temperatures are going up. Tides are down uh, from the summer, you know, just typical summer low tides. And then we had the, the real killer was we went several days without any wind. And yeah. the wind is what drives oxygen into the water through the waves. Uh, that can sometimes overcome the heat and the salinity. But what's all that? Those three things came together all at the same time. It's just not that surprising that we started having fish kills. Go ahead, Caleb. I'm, I'm going to kind of bounce, bounce this back towards Scott because Scott has more years in the market than I do. Um, judging by that Santa Claus beard, he has spent some time back there. <laughs> but... So Compton came down and fished with me. We went. To, we were in Lafitte, Louisiana the other day, right? And I had spent the day before uh, around Homa, through all through the marsh and everything, and didn't see a whole heck of a lot. We're in Lafitte and going through the marsh again, and not seeing much of anything. And um, you know, it, it gets to the point where we always talk about this. Scott's still always learning. You're still always learning. Everybody's still always learning. Dean. He's attempting to learn. He's a bit stunted, but he's working on it. <laughs> and I'm rolling through the marsh, and it, it's like 93, 94 degrees everywhere. Homa, Lafitte, didn't matter. It's 93, 94. And we're not seeing a whole lot, and I get to thinking about it. And I'm, and fish is a cold-blooded creature, right? So they're not back there kind of, you know, sweating and tugging at their collar and be like, man, it's hot back here. We don't want to be hot anymore. I don't think that's how it works. But what it is, like Scott said, the dissolved oxygen, everything there, it's not, it's not giving them what they need to survive. And so I told Compton, I said we have, we need to get our butts out to a deep water lake and find some flats on the edge of it. And we roll out there to it, and we get in a flat, and all of a sudden, it schools of redfish everywhere. It's singles, it's doubles, it's triples. I mean, big wads of fish. And today, while Daniel and I were out. In amongst running from thunderstorms, I told Daniel, I said, I don't even want to go to the marsh because even if there's fish back there, they're not eating that well. They're not behaving that well. They're going to be skinny. Yeah. They're going to be light versus a fish that has cooler water with plenty of oxygen in it. And the spring bayou area is something I'm very familiar with talking about the fish kill. And that's a lot of very shallow water where I can see where a lot of fish would have, have died. But the point I'm bringing is a lot of the people that are listening to the show trying to learn that's where it, the, the, the separation comes between your guy that, that spends less time out of the water versus your guy that not only spends more time out there, but he, he thinks about it a little bit deeper. 
And again, you know, it's getting to the point where I'm fishing a tournament. This auction is low. These fish aren't going to be eating as well. That means they're going to be skinnier. We need to get out to where the fish feel better and they're more healthy. Uh, that's very good stuff. Um, and, 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 I, and I wanted to follow up on that because we do have some fishing topics that are related to this. Uh, actual, let's go help our guys uh, catch some fish. And let's get to those uh, in just a second. Before we pick it back up, uh, I want to brag a little bit about my friends down at the boatyard in beautiful Kima, Texas. The boatyard, they've got you covered. Freedom Boats, uh, McLean Trailers, Mercury, Piranha, Stingray, Sun Chaser, Suzuki, all the top brands, Tohatsu, Yamaha. Uh, they will sell you that new boat at a great deal, and you're going to get that outboard motor taken care of. Parts, service, they do it all. You've heard JT on this podcast. He's got great expertise. He's very helpful, and he can help you with that new boat. Go see him at the boatyard in beautiful Kima. All right, so... If you're watching us live on the YouTube channel as we're recording this podcast, <laughs> you caught quite the show a second ago. <laughs> you and Dean, Dean was trying to get on the podcast. I saw him and I was listening to Caleb. I'm like, this is good stuff. But I'm on my left, I'm looking at Dean, his nose hair, <laughs> as he's walking all over his house. And, and and trying to find a signal, I think. And now he's still not there. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, uh, put him back in the waiting room here because uh, uh, imagine <laughs> imagine trying to imagine trying to put together an articulate thought. Yes, while watching I'm like this that. is good. I'm like over here. I'm like Caleb. This is good. This is good. And then over here, I'm like, what the hell is Dean doing? He's walking. I'm around just trying not to look at my computer. I'm just trying to look away while I talk. He was, if you, you should really go back and look at the, like, it's, uh, I'll help you out even so you don't have to scroll too much. It's about 25 minutes into, uh, or, uh, my YouTube channel, if you can watch the recording later, because it's like, he's walking into every room. He, at one point the camera was sideways and his face was sideways. Oh. And I'm like, boy, good job, Caleb. This is good stuff. And I'm like trying not to laugh at the other side. <laughs> Is trying to get I was afraid. I'd afraid he's about to go doo doo or something. <laughs> we'll see the toilet. Well, we did y'all notice, notice I, I muted him? Because I was like, <laughs> who knows where he's going to end? I went ahead and muted him. Like, I, I don't know. He's just going to start talking in the middle of all that. Uh, but uh, God bless him because he had a trip today and uh, ended up coming uh, coming into the podcast. And, and now he's not here. So we'll see. It, it wasn't that unusual for me because I get on the, the video chat with my grandson all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and my two-year-old grandson runs around the house like that. That I mean, that was just normal. like, what is going That's, on? Here? <laughs> that was like FaceTiming with a two-year-old. <laughs> well, yeah, you you kind of were. Um, so <laughs> before we get into some of the places where you can catch, I mean, this heat is just ridiculous. I mean, it's affecting so many things. Uh, and that we had some specific questions about that. I want to know about this alligator uh, fisherman that you had a fight with, Caleb. Man, I didn't say I had a fight with him. <laughs> All I'm saying is I was running through a channel on the way home and not in the best of moods because the weatherman has shafted me two days in a row. Mm -hmm. I'm running down a channel, and I don't know anything about alligator season over here. I thought that it opened on Labor Day weekend, which the guy that runs our tournaments and all his witiful glory of brilliance has – the, our tournament on the opening day of, of uh, I have an alligator season, and then the, the World Series is on the final weekend of till season. So I'm already a little annoyed, if you can imagine. Yeah. yeah. And I'm running from a storm, and I swing out on this canal as far as I can from him, but it's probably 60 yards as I pass him. And he throws up both hands at me. Oh, both fingers. And, and I, no, no, both hands. He gave me no, 10 of them. Okay. 
both hands, and I look at him, and I kind of look away and keep rolling. And the best I can is rain tells me in the eyeballs. And I look at him again, and he throws up his hands again and gave me all ten fingers. At that point, I threw up my hands and gave him two fingers. <laughs> and then ran about 15 miles until the storm got bad again and dipped into a dock and kissed my butt if they didn't dip in there, too. And, <laughs> and my six foot of 160-pound glory, I was like, Daniel, um, you might need to get yeah. off the phone, bud. Uh, but it, it, it worked. It worked out all right. So what was he mad about? I guess he was mad that I was running by while he was trying to get a lizard off of his PVC pipe. Guys, you always hear me talking about Anglers Anonymous and my guy, Mike Butler, and you got to get out to the store. Think of a lure. Think of a jig. Think of a reel. Think of a plastic. Think of a rod. They have it, and they have it for you right now. Now, and now's the time to get in because there are daily summer specials in store. You got to get in there. It's my store. Mike runs a great, great store, and the knowledge is unparalleled. Don't forget about real service as well. A lot of times they can turn that around in just a matter of days. Anglers Anonymous in Katy. <laughs> Dean just texted me. He said, Slow ride out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I guess Slow ride is out for today. <laughs> uh, he tried. Uh, A for effort right there. Um, what Kevin was talking about a while ago, you know, not wanting to fish the marsh when it's hot and all that, and for the tournament reasons, and going to the deeper water, finding more fish, you're going to find the healthier fish in the deeper water. Uh, we always did it. We'd go to the bayous, we'd go to the rivers, uh, anything like that during during the heat of the summer. The marsh fish typically are just going to get skinnier and skinnier, and I think a big yeah. part of that from all the reading I've done on it it just slows their metabolism down when they don't have enough oxygen. So they don't need to feed as much. And so if they don't need to feed, they're not going to. And so it slows everything yeah. down. And uh, so that's why those fish are a lot more lethargic. You'll find it a lot of times. There are times throughout the day, you can do it in the heat of the day, go back there and get lucky and, and catch some fish. If you got a, a decent tide moving, you got some wind working, uh, something that pops, you know, pops them back up. But right, day in, day out, uh, you're better off going to a little deeper water if you want some more frisky fish. Look, and we've said that, and I'm glad you brought that up because that was the question that we got uh, from uh, one of our listeners. Uh, basically, are beachfront and shore fishing the best bets right now? And 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 Caleb, your your name came up because I'll, I'll try to find it here. Uh, apparently, you know one of the best shore fishermen down south. Uh, trying to remember who it is but anyway uh our beachfront and shore fishing the best best bets right now with that uh heat everywhere in the bays uh caleb what are you thinking like i see a lot of boats on the beachfront as well i mean yeah this is the this is the pr premier time of the year to be in that near shore stuff when it lays down the water green the the, the redfish are up the trout are up um all that kind of good stuff um the, the you know FG says what should I be targeting for tournament reds? That's you know that's tough. Mickey Eastman was really good at uh, fishing those deeper water fish, but he kind of knew how they behaved and how they acted. Somebody like me, or I'm going to go ahead and open a limb and say FG, we're going to have a harder time with that deep water stuff. I've been I've been in Louisiana for years and years now. There's stuff off of uh off that does I mean would be considered near shore. That's like a a little hump of the land with some broken cane on it that I don't particularly know. And I don't particularly understand a local is going to be able to go catch those. I pretty much need to be able to see what I'm doing. Um, but back home, we're starting to get where 
you know, the fish are starting to kind of school up and, and hang out a little bit. It's not going to be what it is in the fall, but they're getting there. We have this, this storm coming in. I don't know if Texas sees this tide surge from it. We're mm-hmm. seeing some of that in Louisiana. If we can get a tide surge to come in, blow some fresh water, uh, I say some fresh water, some new water into those marshes, flood them up and start sucking them back out, then yeah. maybe the marshes will work. But like Scott said, right now you're kind of going in there and trying to get lucky. Um, you know, like I said, they're, they're finding some fish back there, but that deeper, cooler stuff is is your more uh, lucrative area at the moment. Scott, um, you know, the, the question is, Okay, everybody's saying find the drop-offs, find the drop-offs, find the deeper water. Started out there with beachfront and shore fishing. If you have any thoughts there, but the other question was, what are what are the best bays and and best drop-offs? Let's you know we can't go up and down the whole coast, but like, what are you looking for? I've got some places in Sabine that are in my mind right now that if I if I had to fish right now in this heat, uh, I would go to these two or three places consistently because that's where the best drop-offs are. What, like, what should people really be looking for? Not a slope, you know, a slight drop-off, but an actual drop-off where you can find some fish. Uh, Louisiana, upper coast, going to the oyster beds, you know, going out in the open water, fishing over the oysters and uh, some deeper water. Uh, you get to the middle coast, you got more drop-offs, uh, like right around where I am. We've got some good water that comes in and out through the jetties and through the uh, Pascavayo and feeds back into Espiritu and, and San Antonio Bay. I would fish along the drop-offs where there's moving water. Uh, you know, just because you have a drop-off somewhere doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be great. Uh, you need some water movement along that drop-off. So the closer to a pass or a cut or some kind of a funnel that you can get to, uh, the better off you are on an incoming tide. Outgoing tides, not so much because you're pulling all that hot water off of the flats and it's dropping into the dropping off of it. Not really much of a refuge for them. I'm more about that income. I'm just more about that incoming and fishing the drop off near a pass. Near, and I'm not talking about it, it has to be like San Luis Pass or Pass Cavallo or something like that. Uh, yeah, just a backwater pass. You know, that leads from one bay, you know, a deep bay to a shallower bay. Uh, mm-hmm. Anything along those lines that you kind of think in your mind, that's probably pulling some cooler water uh, or some more oxygenated water, even if it's not cool. Right. So what are we looking at, Caleb? Like, how bad is it right now with this heat? We, you know, we've, we've talked about some temperatures in, down in, in, in Texas here, you know, 90. Uh, we've seen some some higher ones, like obviously don't give away your game plan, but what would you be looking for up up on the upper coast and where you know back home in uh, East Matagorda? Man, I've been excited to find 93 over here. I've been seeing crazy. mostly 94, 95. It is it is warm, but that's just August fishing. And it happens every year. We call it the dog days. It, it it's hot, it's slow, you're fishing deep. Uh, you know, kind of like Scott said, if you're in say Galveston Bay, you're over on Hannah's or Peppers or something that's deep shell. And that's just, that's just where we live right now. Even in Matagorda, uh, you know, if I were over there right now, I'd be middle of East Matagorda Bay looking for schools of redfish before I'd be back in the flats looking for looking for fish there. It's and I always say that that November is the good Lord's way of saying I'm sorry for August. That's just the, <laughs> that's just how it is. Um, you have to adapt to it and and make it through the grind. And then this fall, it'll it'll be you know a great fun time to go again. 
Uh, Scott, how, you know, when you are, first of all, I haven't even asked you this and I should have, what is the, the beachfront looking like for you? I know you were talking about, uh, some of the, some of the, uh, tarpon that were showing up last week. Uh, the winds, I, I really haven't paid too close attention earlier in the week. I am now as, as I'm, I'm going to be leaving tomorrow, by the way, I'm going fishing. I'm taking a couple of days off. I'll be fishing this week somewhere, but what are you seeing uh, on the beachfront and elsewhere with temperatures and action? And temperature's hot, <laughs> but yeah. uh, the water's clearing up. It's looking a little bit better after that storm passed. We kind of got out of that southwest uh, pattern that we were in, where it was just ripping overnight southwest and then dirty all day because of it. Uh, it's cleaning up. Tarpon are here. You know, it's just it's summertime. It's it, it, you just got to go out there and find them. You got to hunt them down. But the uh, the forecast and everything show show pretty good. It's still blowing a little bit at night and settling down during the day and uh, that's better than the opposite that we get a lot of times where it, it settles down overnight and then by nine o'clock in the morning it's ripping so it makes it a little difficult because first thing in the morning it's still a little bumpy out there you got the residual waves uh, from all that overnight wind and it's it can still stay choppy for several hours once that wind quits it doesn't just magically go away like it does in the bay You've got a whole lot more fetch out there on that open gulf. Right now, a second for Freedom Boats. FreedomBoatsUSA.com is the website. They are made in beautiful Port Lavaca, Texas by Chet Moore and Pooty. You've heard them here on the podcast, and you are seeing more and more freedoms out on the water. Why? Because like me, people are realizing it's the best shallow water running boat you will ever have. From the Freedom 14 Chiquita to the, the Patriot 18 Cat, the Warrior 23 like I have, the Freedom Warrior is a great boat. The Freedom General 26, it is a shallow running boat. It'll get you over the waves high and dry. Dealerships everywhere just go to freedomboatsusa.com let's talk about like what the strategy is we're not going to do what would scott do what would uh, uh caleb do until uh in just a minute but i was giving i was getting a hard time last week and all week long on the uh on the group page with the old popping cork uh conversation and i loved it to be honest uh, i thought it was fun it was very engaging and people were getting engaged uh, uh, with us uh but you know when when you're fishing right now people are always looking for the next strategy you know the next the next big thing uh the next thing that'll work we went through through phases of uh i guess the 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 lily you know and then there's phases of this or that um it doesn't have to be that complicated really i use the popping cork to kind of look quote quote wake up the fish scott um but right now you just have to find it, it, it you can throw anything if you find the fish and they're going to be sluggish correct Right. I mean, it's I mean, there's, crazy. There's not a whole lot you can get. And you're going to see it, you know, pop, people are going to pop up and say, hey, man, I nailed them today. Well, yeah, you know, somebody does every day. You know, Caleb knows that from tournament fishing. The worst day you ever have in a tournament, you're sucking at it so bad. And you're thinking, my God, I, I hope everybody else <laughs> the same thing I did. I, if I in. have 21 pounds, there's no shot anybody has 25. And yeah. you're yeah. 15th place. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, just like guiding, like, right, man, we got our yeah. butts kicked today. There's going to be nobody at the cleaning table. And you come around the corner, it's like, well, kiss my ass. There they are. Okay. <laughs> you try to you try to guide your guests on the boat to look somewhere else. Hey, look over there. Yeah. <laughs> look over this. Yeah. See that crane? I think that's an no. albino crane over there. One of the funniest ones I ever had on that. Oh, uh, Tony Caceres, he guides out uh, Galveston, little Tony, up there cleaning fish. I'm pulling into uh, Fat Boys, 
And I'm on my Polish skip. We've been out fly fishing. We, we had just absolutely hammered the reds. I mean, they were everywhere. And it was just one of them full days of combat fishing, you know, doubling up on the fly rod with redfish. And uh, I come pulling in there, and Tony's just he's steady talking to his guys. Yeah, man, I'm I'm so really glad we got the trout. You know, everything was great on the trout. I'm sorry about those reds. I mean, the reds just aren't eating right now. You know, just can't hardly find a redfish to save my life right now. I don't know what's going on. Well, it's been happening for two or three weeks now. I'm just, I know y'all wanted to catch some reds, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. And They're just not he there. He sees me pull up and he turns around to my guys and he makes the guide mistake. He goes, Hey, Scott, how'd you and your guys do? <laughs> no. And I, I had heard him as I'm tying up saying that they hadn't had any reds and he couldn't find them. So I'm just not going to, I'm not going to throw him in the grease on that. Yeah. Well, my customers don't know that. And they just immediately break off into, man, we just had the best day ever, man. We caught redfish till we, our arms were sore. And it just on and on. <laughs> Little Tony, man, he just ducked his head down, shook his head and started just cleaning fish. <laughs> hey, I've, I've there, been on the other side. Go ahead, Caleb. There, There's a thing that you learn after you've guided enough years and that if you kick their ass and you know your buddy struggled and you pull up the cleaning table – and you see them up there with their, like, three trout or something, you just kind of figure out how to stall and hesitate until them and their customers go away, and then you slide yes. up there. Because, yes. you you know, I, I ha- I ha- Scott and I haven't had that issue for many a years, and that, that we just go to the ramp and put our boats in the trailer. But there was a time, for me at least, where you did not want that to come back around on you. And there's other <laughs> there's other outfits that... Though what they do is they roll up with their six boats and bump all their fish together, and they'll come to slap them all on the table in front yeah. of you and your customers. And there is a time when you get to go do that back to them, and it's a sweet, sweet, sweet thing. <laughs> it was uh, no not not long ago. Um, I was already down in in Aransas, and of course I don't keep you know any fish, but uh, we were having a a really tough day. I mean, uh, like real tough. Day. I think we caught like three fish, two fish, whatever it was. We we go we're, we're puttering in, and uh, and I made I made the dumb mistake of myself, like a bunch of some couple of dudes cleaning a bunch of fish, and uh, and I had a I had a younger kid on the boat, and I and they go look at that they got some fish and I went yeah they probably use live bait and they both looked at me like, well we should have used live bait <laughs> like they didn't care they just wanted to catch some fish like yeah. I'm like no I'm trying to teach you. They probably were just using live bait. No, well, I want what they had. I want what they had. No, no question about it. Um, all right. So we will get to what would Scott do and uh, what would Caleb do uh, here in just a second. But, uh, you know, we mentioned it last week about uh, um, knock and tail, uh, knock and tail lures uh, with the Trinity, with the uh, fishing reports while we get these guys ready for that Trinity Bay uh, fishing report. I don't know how much we're going to do this, but I do want to say that Trinity Bay, speaking of the deeper channels, uh, better numbers of, uh, of fish, and obviously we hope you're using the, the knock and tail lures uh, on the rocks lining the ship channel. That's what I was talking about. Sabine, obviously another drop-off there. Uh, Texaco Island, Intercoastal Canal. So we're talking about drop-offs there. Hey, they were using a popping cork as well. Of course, that's brought to you by uh, knock and tail and the bite me 20 combo. You can use that bite me code and get 20% off. Same thing. With uh, Wade Wright and the Wade Wright belt, coastalfishinggear.com. Use Bite Me 20 and get the uh, 20% off on the website from the Bite Me combo. All right, boys, 
Uh, it's going to be hot. I was looking at it earlier today, but I know you guys are looking at the forecast right now, wind forecast and such. Uh, we'll start with with Caleb because you probably have a good report for our friends on the north in Louisiana uh, and uh, Sabine, but I know you also got your finger on the pulse of what's happening in Matagorda. What would you do this weekend if you had to go get on some fish? Man, I'm 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 glad you chose me first because I haven't looked at the dang thing whenever you awesome. came. Awesome. See, I was I was giving you some time there. You still didn't, <laughs> you still didn't take advantage. No, uh, <laughs> man. From what I'm seeing. Uh, let, let's go. Hey, let's give let's give old Frank a, a report for Louisiana, even though he's in the comments telling me what to do. Yeah, um, that is real inconsiderate of you, Frank. Being how it's illegal for me to solicit any information to it anybody is. outside of the tournament. So, but I appreciate you. The polygraph will really love you, Frank. Thank you, Frank. <laughs> um, man, Louisiana. Uh, I was while I was seeking refuge from storms and alligator hunters, I did end up with several guides. Uh, under our little canopy there. And, um, they're, man, they're out by the barrier islands catching trout and uh, redfish in the deeper water off of the points and everything. What I've seen over here, I'm kind of staying out of the marsh now. I'm more on the edge of the big lake. If I could find a big flat that is around a lake, that has been the absolute money uh, for me. Mm -hmm. I was here. I fished last Thursday and Friday. Then I flew up to Williamsport, and I came back Sunday afternoon. Uh, we fished the last two days. And edges the edges of deep water, Matagorda, um, or really Middle Coast, whether it be Galveston, Matagorda, whatever. I'm still would be throwing a quarter ounce chicken of the plastic over deeper shell. If I was in Matagorda, I would be out in the middle of the bay over some of those deep shells and humps. If I was in Galveston, I'd be out in the middle of the bay in that ten or twelve feet of water. You know, uh, you know, like I said earlier, the Hannahs, the the little Hannahs, the pepper, all that kind of stuff. That's where I'd be, bouncing off a bottom, um, low and slow. From what I gather from my guys back home, the bite's pretty pretty finicky. They're dragging it on bottom and getting it barely. Uh, boy, that feels different than setting the hook. And, um, you know, I'll give them a shout-out now. That's why I use Laguna Rods. I can feel the difference between uh, something might be there and something's not there. And uh, But that that's what I'd be doing until we start getting some cooler temperatures or some big flushes from these, these – uh, Tropical storms that are coming in. Uh, and, Scott, before we get to you, you know, he reminded me when uh, he said earlier about uh, Labor Day, man, the Star Tournament's going to end this week, right? I mean, that, that, so we've got some very nervous people uh, that are going to have some uh, sleepless nights <laughs> these next couple of nights to see. I see uh, five uh, red tags have been caught, actually seven, but five uh, with uh, the Ford Haney Mercury Coastline, uh, some, and then two with the boat, four. There's still some blue tags out there, a lot of blue tags out there. Four have been caught there. I uh, got some big inshore um, big inshore catches as well. You can go to uh, startournament.org and see what our friends have there on the leaderboard. But we're getting close, uh, almost Labor Day. Uh, what would you do if you want to get uh, some people on those uh, on those big fish down in uh, Port O'Connor? Well, the beachfront, offshore, jetties, uh, take advantage of that last of the snapper season. Uh, tomorrow it's showing two to three foot at 11 seconds. I don't think I've ever seen oh, wow. 11 seconds. 11 seconds. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever seen that. Somebody sent me a, a message earlier today asking if that was correct. And I was like, I don't think so, but you know, I'll check it later. Uh, Thursday's <laughs> the same. It's two to three at nine seconds. Uh, Friday. That. It ends at midnight on the first. 
So I'm not sure if I think that means the 31st is the last day you can do it up, up till midnight. Yeah. But, uh, if you can get out and get on those snapper, that'd be cool. Uh, there's a bunch of kingfish out there, a bunch of ling. I've seen some good reports on ling. Uh, dolphin are, are popping around. I would take full advantage of this weekend and run offshore if you get a bay boat on – well, I can't say the whole weekend because it, it drops back to four seconds. <laughs> oh, no, on, just four seconds. Saturday. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's one to twos, but four seconds, so it's going to be a little bumpy. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, Friday, man, if you could slip out of work on Friday, I would bust out through those jetties, and I would go have some fun in your bay boat out there in the open water. Man, I'm looking at it right teams. now. You are you are right. I, you are correct. I'm telling you, man, Friday, <laughs> zero to one foot at seven seconds. Yeah. I mean – Hell, it don't. That's going to look like glass out there on the open yeah. water. And uh, it's nothing, not even going to uh, – go ahead. And if you can't do that, go go fish for trout in the surf. That's got to be pretty good. Uh, you know, the surf's going to have a little bit more oxygen in it than the back bays. The fish might be in a little better shape out there on the, on the surf side. That's actually what I was going to say because, you know, we, we got that little tropical storm, you know, the tail end of it. And some of us were wondering, okay, maybe that's going to be the end of some of this stuff happening on the beachfront. It hasn't, right, Scott? I mean, it's still happening on the beachfront with some of these near shore species, and that that's definitely going to help with the. I'm looking at it right now. Two. No, those no. storms don't. Those storms don't move those fish. Uh, yeah, they don't. They don't bother them. Uh, hell, it's just more more movement, more water moving. Yeah, they're they're used to that. Caleb, want to want to thank you for for uh, showing up, and uh, I know you got a lot going on up there. What's the details of your tournament, and uh, in, in terms of when you when you're going? Man, it's been so long since I've been on. I had to like kind of remember who the heck y'all were. And <laughs> I have got I've gotten multiple texts throughout the show. Uh, most lately, uh, lately Chris Collin want to know if, if Scott is indeed going to be working as a Santa Claus on a shopping mall this mm-hmm. Christmas. Um, Scott, I'd sit on your lap. I'd do it. I tell you, I tell you, I tell you all my wishes. I would take the picture. I would, I would take the picture. Uh, oh boy, no, we're fishing this Excalibur over here. That happens this weekend, as I told Frank in the comments. I'm just trying to find fish that fit. They're 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 big. We may not do worth a darn. We may do okay, and then I have I think three days to come back to Houston for a little bit, and then I'm headed back to. The Redfish World Series. And then after that, I think I'm going to have an announcement that may be fairly shocking. Um, shocking. Given my, yeah, given, given my, 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 my situation, what I do for fun and stuff. Oh, wow. And so we'll talk, we'll talk about you'll that say, after You'll the say World it on Series. our podcast, right? You'll say it it's on gonna our podcast. It's going to come here first. It's going to come here first. Damn right, it will. Oh, and while you That's mentioned right. that, while you said that, you, you reminded me, we got a lot of listeners that are always asking about OG sauce. When are you going to come down here? When are you going to come down there? Well, Belleville Meat Market now carries OG sauce. Um, um, I'm, I'm uh, kicking the tires with our friends over at Prosix. Uh, I'm going to meet with them uh, tomorrow or Thursday. Uh, so a lot of our listeners that are out and about, we've got, uh, of course, they have a place in Sealy as well. We've got some in Katy at Anglers Anonymous. Love those guys. So OG sauce, it's really taken off, man. We've got Kingwood Meat Market. Oh, Man Ready Mercantile, which is in the Heights. Uh, and I normally, you know, just try to answer questions, but just because we've had so many questions lately about the OG sauce, uh, we're kind of getting a lot more, uh, retailers. So, 
if you're interested in that, just uh, hit those places and you can all see where they are. It's not your it's not your everyday run of the mill barbecue sauce. It is not. It's, I mean, I'm telling you, it's the darndest thing. Sometimes I shit you not. It sounds like I mean, it tastes like Chinese. It tastes like Chinese food. Something. Sometimes it's, it's sweet a, and sour. Sometimes it's barbecue. It depends on what you want it on. But on it always turns on. it. It's some. Yeah. It's Willy Wonka sauce. Is what it is. It's whatever you imagine it <laughs> that you Willy want it to Wonka. be. It's That's Willy awesome. Wonka sauce. I might steal that. <laughs> I might steal that. That's for sure. But I appreciate it. A lot of people are always asking. And and because of all the listeners, it's kind of going all over the place. So we'll see how it goes up. Scott, uh, tell us what's happening in your world and uh, and uh, what's what you got coming uh, up. I just glanced at the water temperature. Take a while to ask yes. What the water temperature Where? Is. Right there right. where you are? Yep, right here. Port O'Connor. 90.5. 90. 90.5. Right 90. Has, it, has, it, has it rained I, over there? Has it rained no. over there? 96.7. You're close. 97. 97.0. Yeah. I don't think we have ever seen 97 degree water temperature over here. Not Dude, man, we've got a, Not the little jetty. We've got <laughs> a couple inches of rain over here the last two days, and I'm hoping it'll be 88, 89 instead of 93 tomorrow. Unbelievable. Yeah. And that and that storm is, is kind of going to go east of us, too. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's gonna go All right, boys. I'm fixing to head to Go the ahead. deer lease, and I'll be heading to the heading to deer camp. Gonna hang out over there, bring me a little OG sauce, put on my hot dogs, and uh, damn right, shoot some dove birds. Oh, that'll be fun! Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, good to you. Thanks to you guys. Thanks for Dean for trying to show up in the uh, <laughs> in the comic relief. We, we appreciate Dean's sinuses. Dean was kind of on the show, <laughs> kind of. Uh, and Shane Bonneau as well. And you guys don't forget about those uh, scoping uh, meetings, etc. Catch them up. I'm going to be gone for five days fishing. How about that? We'll catch you next time. Catch them up. We'll talk to you next time.